Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. By about the 3rd to 4th century early, the Christians in Jerusalem began to reenact the last week of Jesus of the 89 chapters in the Gospels, all four Gospels. 29 of the chapters deal with the last week of his life. So by 3rd, 4th century, the Christians saw the importance of remembering these events in their uh, sequence and celebrating them and remembering the signs and the power behind them. Today, we remember Palm Sunday, which for the early church was known as the Pascha, the, um, the Passover event in which Jesus was entering into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover as many people would have come from all over the countryside into Jerusalem to do it. As you have waved your palm branches, you might not know, but the palm branch is the ancient sign of victory in Israel. And as Jesus chose a colt, a donkey to ride in on, he fulfilled Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine, about how the Messiah would come riding a humble beast of burden. And we see from the Old Testament, all these prophecies regarding the Messiah, and we know that the Lord Jesus Christ has fulfilled almost 300 of them, including the ones that you've heard read today. As he rode on in, the crowd chanted and cheered from Psalm 18, which says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes. So here we see Jesus riding into Jerusalem with people shouting Hosanna and waving branches and in the air and their hands and palm branches on the ground. And yet his disciples in one of the gospels say, Master, And Jesus replies, I tell you that even if they were still, the very stones would cry out. I think it's safe to say Jesus meant at this time that all of creation had anticipated and was waiting for this moment. Consider the majesty of Jesus riding into Jerusalem and the excitement of the people. You see, the roots of Palm Sunday start in the Old Testament. It is the Jewishness of our faith. In the Old Testament, the most significant event was the Exodus, was the delivery of God's people from Egypt into the Promised Land. More significant than the flood or King David or the prophets, it was the most significant event of all time. But the trigger event for the Exodus was what happened before it started, and especially the night before it started, the Passover. It was the button that set it all off, that God's deliverance was for his people, that he had heard the cries of his people, and God does not turn a blind eye to them. I love the Behold the Lamb um, musical and rendition for Advent that Andrew Peterson wrote. In it, he sings the Passover 
and he says, Lord, let your judgment pass over us. Lord, let your love hover near. Don't let your sweet mercy pass over us. Let the blood cover us here. You see, Israel had cried out. Hosanna means God save us. God rescue us. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've been in situations where you've cried out to God, oh Lord, if you would only get me out of this situation, then I would follow you or trust you. It is not just the cry of salvation, but the cry that God will hear my pleas. Perhaps you are crying some of these pleas right now for whatever reason. So as God's people cried out, save us, Lord, the Lord heard their cries and judged their oppressors who were awful. And he said to them, let my people go. But they would not relent. They doubled down. And isn't this like our human condition? We hear God's commands and we double down on our own ways. Isn't this our nature? We resist. So God began to negotiate. He warned his uh, Pharaoh, he warned Egypt. God's judgment is swift, but it is never out of left field. He warned again and again, and they resisted. We resist as well. So he sent the plagues. Maybe you know this story. Every plague we read about in Exodus is a masterful undoing of, the, of a corresponding symbol of security, of power, and of provision for Egypt. <clears throat> Someone wrote this recently. They said, you know, what's happening in the world here with this virus is it's taking down the symbols of our culture of power. It's removed sports, gone. Money, everyone's no longer confident in their finances. Entertainment has lost its luster. How many Netflix shows can you watch over and over again? And some shows just aren't as funny or captivating anymore. Did you know next Sunday more people will watch Easter services online in record numbers all over the world? It's amazing, and yet it's so fearful at the same time. For some, we feel the world is shaking, and yet we cry out. For others, they double down. I refuse to listen. I want my own way. I want back my comfort. I want my own salvation on my terms. I double down. God sent the first plague to Egypt and he turned the Nile River into blood. And this is a judgment against the Egyptian god Apsis, the god of the Nile. It was devastating to them. And if that wasn't enough, they doubled down. And he sent a second plague, bringing frogs from the Nile. And this was a judgment against their God of fertility. And they doubled down. And so on, seven more plagues. And we get to the ninth plague, and darkness covers the land. And it's aimed at the sun god, Ra, who was the very embodiment in Pharaoh himself. It's as if God was saying to Egypt in these plagues, your power 
your security, your provision is in my hands. So let my people go. Each plague was doing more and more damage, and yet they would not relent. Have you ever been in that position where you know the way you're going or what you're doing or how you're living is the wrong way, and yet you will not relent? This is exactly what's encountered with the Egyptians. Before the final three plagues, God gave the Israelites specific instructions in Exodus, and we heard it read. God told them to sacrifice a lamb without injury or sickness, what we call defect, on the 14th day of the month of Nisan. Keep that in mind, the 14th day of the month. For God's instructions are never arbitrary. Don't forget this, the Egyptians, of all the animals they had, they worshiped sheep and lambs the most. Their god, Kunim, was a god who sat supposedly at the opening of the Nile River and controlled its flow. And if they were good to the god, he would let them have the right amount. If they were disobedient, too little or too much would lead to no crops or floods. It was almost like our stock market. Their Nile River was connected to prosperity or adversity. And so here we see at the temple of Kunim, at the mouth of the Nile River, his image is as a sheep. Many Egyptians figures were portrayed with sheep heads. They worshiped them. They were sacred animals, not to be harmed or touched. The nail in the coffin to Egypt was that the sacrifice of lambs was an indictment against their false gods. Plague after plague after plague had come, yet the very last one, sacrificing lambs to save their children, was probably the most offensive. And as we remember this story, we know that the Israelites marked their homes with the blood of the sacrificed lambs, and they were passed over for judgment. And eventually, Egypt let them go. Let's fast forward to this scene with Jesus today so we'll understand the fullness of Palm Sunday in its context. In what seems to be a co uh, coincidental arrangement of events, the Lord Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey with people waving palm branches on the 10th day of the month. Think about that for just a moment. He rides in on the 10th day of the month of Nisan. Remember with me, John the Baptist, what did he say when he saw Jesus at his baptism? He saw him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so what's so important about the 10th day? The ninth day would have been the Sabbath day, which meant no one worked, no animals worked, no one traveled. Where Jesus stayed was nearly 15 miles away. So on the Sabbath day, Jesus and his disciples rested. And on the first day of the week, which would start Saturday evening, they made their way into Jerusalem. It was the 10th day of the month before the Passover that all the lambs 
who were going to be sacrificed for that Passover event in Jerusalem were brought into the city. I know at one level this may seem a little pedantic, but I want you to stay with me. It was the very day that the lambs came into the city to be watched for four days. They watched them. Are they injured? Are they sick? They inspected them because they only wanted to offer the best perfect lambs for the sacrifice. It was on this same day that Jesus is watched for four days. On Monday, he goes into the temple and causes quite a stir. On Tuesday, he goes out to the Mount of Olives and a crowd follows him. And he preaches the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 25 and 20, 24 and 25. And on Wednesday, we believe that Jesus rested. And it was the Passover night, the night before the Passover, that Jesus hosts the Last Supper with his disciples after four days. And that night he was arrested. And in the afternoon, we read, we heard read by the Hedman family, that our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. The lamb was slain. And it's the 14th day of the month of Nisan. The lamb was sacrificed for the people. The Passover sacrifice of Jesus was not just for them, but also for you and for me and for the whole world. You see, none of us truly can rescue ourselves. I cannot rescue my condition. You know, think about this. Our big, expansive world with more than 7 billion people is paralyzed by a strand of RNA that is too small for the eye to see. And yet, we, here we are on Palm Sunday, watching online, frozen in our homes. What does this Palm Sunday mean to me today, and what relevance does it have to do with what I'm going through? I want to say to you clearly, friends, it means everything. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, he didn't enter in comfort, but rather for sacrifice. From the beginning, humanity had cried out, save us, save us from our time of trial, save us from our enemies, save us from our death, save us, O oh Lord, is the cry of today. I have friends in South Sudan right now who are crying out, save us, Lord. I have friends in other places, save us, Lord. Many of us are saying this sort of thing as well in our own homes and under the breath of our own prayers. Lord, save us. Save us from this disease. Save us from economic ruin. Save us from the loss of comfort. Save us from our death. Jesus entered Jerusalem to suffering and to be sacrificed for us. He came in the midst of suffering and of uncertainty and pain. But make note of this. Palm Sunday starts with triumph. We all want triumph. The people were cheering when Jesus came riding in, singing their messianic psalms, songs that they sang about kings and saviors, and delivers, and they were shouting for joy. At last, God has heard our tears. But in the middle of it all, 
Jesus wasn't singing. The Lord Jesus wasn't singing. He was in tears. Yes, their dreams were indeed coming true, but not the way they had imagined. For he would not be the king they expected. He would not rescue them in the way that they thought. Not like monarchs of old who sat on their thrones, dispensing their justice and their wisdom and their armies. Nor was he this great warrior king who came to do battle. He didn't raise an army and he did not ride into battle into Jerusalem, but rather he surrendered himself. He was silent. He was submitted. In fact, he was riding on a donkey, a humble beast of burden not the chariot of a general. And what was Jesus doing as he rode in? He was weeping. He was weeping for the dream that had to die. He was weeping for the crucifixion that would pierce his supporters, his followers, his disciples to their soul. He was weeping for a kingdom that was not coming as well as the kingdom that was. In Luke chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus is is outside of the city looking upon the city during this Holy Week time. And this is what he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Within a few days, possibly some of the same people cheering were cheering for his death. Crucify him. Two months ago in our nation, we were in triumph. But in a flash, everything has been shaken. We keep saying, this is not what I expected. If you're a college student, this is not how my, my college year was to turn out. If you're in high school, this was not how my sports season. If you're a business owner, this is not what I thought was going to be. If you're a parent, you're now a homeschool teacher. This is not what was needed, not what was wanted. I didn't want it either. And yet, if there was a cure for this disease, the person, the organization, the nation who could find it and produce it would be instantly wealthy and powerful. Imagine if you yourselves possess that cure, at what great lengths would you go to make sure everyone had it? What would you be willing to do with it? To what striving would you go to make sure everyone had access to this cure? Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was not a political statement for the day. It was not a statement against oppression and poverty in the earthly sense. It was not an indictment of the new oppressor in town, Rome. It was an act against the most insidious infection that we all have, and that is death. The wages of sin is death. The people for all time had been oppressed by the worst enemy possible, death. The sting of sin is death. We all face it sooner or later. One of my friends is saying goodbye to a parent over the telephone. 
death is a monster. It is cruel. It is callous to the human heart and condition. <laughs> when Jesus entered Jerusalem, he knew very well that his death was both the manifestation and the magnification of the blood on the door frames of the people. When he bounced up and down on that donkey enter in Jerusalem, he knew that he was going to be that lamb. It would be his life as a ransom for many, for the forgiveness of the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. His death would become the, the very death of death itself. Just as the people knew blood on their doorframes saved them at the Exodus, today we need to know this. Jesus' blood is what saves us. Do you know this today? Is this your strength and your source this day? What's amazing is that we are rightly worried about infection. We're rightly worried about the implications of becoming sick. We're scared, some of us. It could happen to me. We should be more worried about our standing before God. For as tough as these days are, and they are, they are light and momentary troubles. They too will pass. But our relationship to this lamb is the stuff of eternity. My friends, if you could turn with me to Revelation chapter 5, and I'll close this message with this. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven on earth or under the earth could open the scroll and even look inside it. I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the, all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the face of the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. Then I look and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne 
and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Friends, today, do you hear this? Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the lamb who was slain for us. Is he worthy to you? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.